Capital Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, we should mention there was an attack on uh, one of Iran's most important nuclear facilities overnight. Somebody, or maybe it just happened accidentally, somebody set off an explosion that blew up all their computers that run the thing, and it's going to be at least nine months, according to the New York Times, before they're going to be able to enrich any more uranium in their their sprint to get a bomb to hold the world hostage with. That's discouraging. I hate when something like that happens. Israel's being credited with the attack, although who the heck knows uh, to what extent it was. I'm sure Israel was involved, but how involved were we? Was it... um, contrary to the wishes of Joe Biden, or was Joe Biden 100% involved in it and the United States, you know, part of the attack? I don't have any idea. Um, uh, the Biden administration has been getting beaten up pretty good by a lot of your more conservative pundits for just giving the store away to Iran in the run-up to these negotiations as he's Desperate for some reason to get back into that Iranian nuclear deal that he and Obama put together and then Trump ended. But some people think he's giving away the store before it even starts. But it's possible they're doing a good cop, bad cop thing. And he was kind of going that direction, knowing all along that we're about to blow up your facility anyway. So I I don't know. I have no Mm, idea. My guess is that Israel went off on their own. They did their own thing. They saw the opportunity. They saw the need. They were concerned about Biden. And so they went ahead and uh, and flipped the switch, unleashed the soft the uh, the, the virus or whatever they did. I wonder the if Israel's... we said, "Please don't do that," or if we said, "Well, you we know, didn't know it was coming." We uh, we uh, we understand you're going to do that, and if you if you feel you have to do that, yeah, okay. And they didn't care. I I don't know. Israel sometimes gives the U.S. a heads up, from what I understand. Uh, I read a great book about Israel's intelligence services. Oh, what was it? Um, what was the title of that? Moby Dick. That's it, Moby Dick. I think it was by Dan Abrams, though. It was good. The, the, uh, I'll think of it. I'll, I'll let you know in a minute. But um, they don't always ask for permission or, or even give us a heads up. Israel's like a guy stands about five foot five, but he lifts lots of weights and he's mean as a snake. <laughs> I mean, if they got to whoop ass, they just whoop ass. They're happy to do it. Well, because they have literal existential threats. Yes. Iran getting a nuclear weapon could be the end of them. They could all die. Absolutely correct. And it's not like I am literally starving. This is literally an existential threat. No, no, they could be wiped off the face of the earth. It tends to focus the mind, tends to focus the foreign policy when that's, that's your situation. So uh, the talk shows were rife with boring arguments about the infrastructure deal over the weekend. We could play you all sorts of people droning on about this, that, and the other. Uh, I would like to feature the uh, really one of the three most powerful people in the United States of America, Nancy Pelosi, in clip number 48, Sean, if you'd be so kind. Infrastructure, is, it's about education, about getting children healthily in school with separation, sanitation, ventilation. It's about 
uh, investments in housing as well. Overwhelmingly, this bill is about infrastructure in the traditional sense of the word. We also think that infrastructure, there's a need for workforce development in order to have the workforce fully participate in how we go forward, and childcare so that women can be involved in that as well. So it's physical infrastructure, it's also human infrastructure that is involved. So literally everything is infrastructure. If it in any way ends up at work, it's infrastructure. That's fine. Okay. If anybody falls for that, you're an idiot. But that's the tack they're taking. Yeah, who was it? One of the uh, some advisor in the uh, Biden administration last week said, "If I can't go to work because I have to take care of my grandma, that's infrastructure." And obviously, by that logic, everything is infrastructure. As you're just saying, if I don't have a car, that's infrastructure. If I have severe athlete's foot, that's infrastructure. If I don't have the right clothes to wear, that's infrastructure. If I'm totally unmotivated, that's infrastructure. <laughs> I suffer from that. I do, too, some days. Not today, though. I'm bouncing around with energy. Still on the wagon, by the way. Congratulations. How long has it been? Yeah. What, what, wait, whoa, whoa. You threw in a Cali- ah, California ah. sober there, Demi Lovato. <laughs> <laughs> Easy now. Them's fighting words. No, you know what? I think it's even better than if I... Uh, Saturday night, I decided. Um, sitting here watching the Masters and sipping on a little bourbon would be the perfect evening. The perfect so I, evening. So I did it. Mm-hmm. Actually, the perfect evening, if uh, if the wife and I had rediscovered our physical, uh, you know. Anyway, <laughs> it, it did not happen. Uh, but I says to myself, I says, yes, tonight, tomorrow, no. Mm-hmm. It's a work night. There Nothing. And with me. You're California sober. Am I? No, I just, uh, it's, it's better because the never is not going to last for me. I don't plan to. I don't want it to. But I want to say yes tonight, no tomorrow night. And uh, and it was easy last night. Fantastic. So I was very happy with that. Although last yesterday was I like also... your chances better than Demi Lovato. Oh, yeah, me too. Poor kid. Anyway. Uh, my computer is... Uh, hey, Sean, can you go to engineering and get me a hammer, please? I'm going to <laughs> <Yes>. smash <laughs> my computer now. I'm going to smash all, it. Alpine, claw, bits. what are you looking for? Hmm. This application is not responding. The application is Microsoft Windows. Mm, sledge. Okay, sledgehammer. Okay. Stop the hammering. That is, a, we haven't even started the hammering, Lawrence. <laughs> How are you going to blot out the sun, Bill Gates, if you can't make my PDF work? Yeah, 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 no kidding. You think you're smart enough to blot out the sun. But I can't run Windows. Bastard. <laughs> anyway, what else were we going to do? John talk about? Boehner calls Ted Cruz Lucifer in the flesh. All right. Book comes out tomorrow. I might read it. I might actually read that thing. It seems like the last thing in the world I'd want to read, but I might actually do it. And I'll bring you highlights. Can we just sit John Boehner down, Ted Cruz down, say, John, admit it. And he'd say, all right, I'm a little douchey sometimes. Ted, your turn, Ted. Well, I'm a little douchey sometimes. <laughs> and talk it out. Come on, fellas. Don't. P.S. Ted Cruz. Go fuck yourself. Oh, boy. No. That's John, no, John Boehner, former John. Speaker of the House. Now, I told you when we sat down, <laughs> we don't allow that sort of language in this office. So that's from the outtakes of the audio recorded version of the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Are there more of those? I've heard there are, but I've only heard that there one. There need to be more of them. 
Yeah, I'll take as many as I can get. How do you feel about Jill Biden wearing the sexy uh, hose? You Jill Biden? Dr. Biden? I say C-Safe Wadway. She's got the stems for a 70-year-old woman, and she wears the uh, sexy kind of, uh, what do you call them, patterned hose. Okay. Right. H-O-S-E. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Often popular oh. among H-O. Yes. Oh boy! Wait! Wow! Come on! Whoa, hang well, that on! Was, now. That was the criticism. I that told just you we're not going to cast any aspersions in this. The office. criticism is that it's too sexy a look for a first lady. It's not in keeping line in line with the first lady, something or other. I don't know. Lady, I don't, lady, lady. I don't care about first ladies. But Let's see, checking my pockets, the uh, my jackets in the other room. I don't think I have any F's to give. Okay. I just don't. All right. I don't. We're spending ourselves into oblivion. We got corporations trying to force feed liberal policies down voters' throats. I just, I, I don't care about the first lady's legs. Very nice stems for an older gal. Granted. Come on. So, coming up, some common sense from the heartland. Iowa governor says, no, you're not going to send us 10,000 illegal immigrant kids. Kansas with a breakthrough law on transgender athletics. We got a lot of good stuff mm. to get to. A whole cavalcade of entormation. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Coming up, how a front-page New York Times headline was written versus how it should have been written. Hmm. A little clue on how to read journalism, understand the way you're being spun. I always like this sort of stuff. I love it. I will stay tuned for that. I was thinking of popping in a Britney Spears CD. The new Taylor Swift re-recorded album. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh Yeah. California high school teacher caught on camera berating students for their parents' collective push to end remote learning and return children to the classrooms full time. I'm not going to use this woman's name because it's about the ideas. I don't, I don't fight people. I fight ideas. And, uh, and she's completely wrong. She's raising her voice at several seniors during an English lesson over Zoom. Hit it. If your parent wants to talk to me about their profession, and their opinion on their profession, I would love to hear that. I know very little about anything else in the world other than education, okay? However, if your parent wants to come talk to me about how I'm not doing a good enough job in distance learning based on what you need as an individual, just dare them to come at me because I'm so sick to my stomach of parents trying to tell educators how to do their job. I have never once gone to a doctor's appointment and tried to tell my medical health provider how to treat me. You know why? Because I know nothing about that. I didn't get my degree in medicine. I am going off. I'm sorry. That's wow. a wrong. That's the wrong toot, even if you're right. She's wrong. She's way wrong. And, right. and there's plenty of science to show she's wrong. But even if she was right, that's not the right attitude to take with parents whose only concern is their kids are not learning or are miserable or are suicidal. Right, right. Disdain, disdain and contempt. How dare you question me? How dare you, says the teacher from on high, who, by the way, last year made $110,000 plus benefits. So uh, please don't hit me with the poor, poor teacher rhetoric. How much? 
110 plus. Plus benefits, <clears throat> and then you get a pension when you if you, you stay long enough and you retire. Yeah, which they contribute okay. into, but it's a big, juicy pension. So, uh, yeah, here's a thought for you, my dear, as you obviously have a bit of education but zero wisdom. The idea that both ends of an exchange don't get to comment on it? The consumer of a good is not allowed to have an opinion on how that good is delivered to them is an idiotic notion. And, oh, my God, the pretension of the woman. If you want to lecture me about your job, fine. Don't lecture me about something I have a degree in. I'm your customer, and your service sucks. You don't have a degree in running my business. I agree with that if it's a private business, but it's not. I'm the person paying that salary. So I'll uh, take whatever attitude I want. Well, yeah, but wait a minute. Uh, if if I go, I don't know, I play golf over the weekend. If I go to a golf course and they charge me a lot of money and the turf sucks and the help is rude and it takes seven hours to play, I'm going to light them up. And if somebody hits me with, do you have a degree in golf course management? I'm probably going to fight them. That's a, that's a ridiculous point of view. Lady, you got to check yourself. And, and all of the science. You teach English, I get. All of the science says, get the kids back in school. That's unbelievable. It's uh, San Diego area. I would love to believe teachers' unions are going to pay a price for this, or public sector unions in general are going to pay a price for this. I don't think they will. It got a lot of attention last week when um, uh, a bunch of people who had an opportunity to vote that worked in an Amazon warehouse had the opportunity to uh, unionize and voted not to. Mm-hmm. And um, the numbers on it are pretty interesting, the changing workforce and attitudes in the country and the relationship between management and employees. In 1973, one out of four workers in America were in a union. Wow. This is the private sector. Private sector only. One out of four. Now it's 6%. For the first time ever, though, there are more people in public sector unions than private sector unions. Wow. And most oh. people that I like and agree with think public sector unions are uh, abhorrent. The wor- Tim Sandifer called it the worst decision America as a democracy has ever made is to allow pub- or, uh, public unions uh, where you know both sides are arguing for that that's not their money. Right, right. Uh, I mean, it-, it doesn't work. Even FDR knew it didn't work, but there are now more people in those... Uh, Public sector unions than private unions, right? Which is right. amazing. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, so uh, back to the teacher story, just very briefly. It's a San Marcos High School for those who know the San Diego area, and got this email which I found really interesting. Uh, San Diego <clears throat> was a Hong Kong of California, writes Al Anonymous. You guys were wondering last week why so many people are suddenly leaving San Diego. Like Hong Kong, after a long resistance, San Diego was finally broken by mainland California. Look at a map and realize San Diego is a geographical island with natural barriers to the east and west and federal barriers. Excuse me. Oh, my God, my computer is going to kill me. (sighs) North and south, including the, uh, the Marine base. Thank you, Marines, for holding off the invasion this long. And at this point, I have a pop-up window covering the email and cannot read it. Back to you. Were you angry at Sean, where's that hammer? No, it's just all of a sudden in the middle of the show, this thing, I don't know what it's doing. Some software update or some antivirus crap is running right in the middle of when I need it. Now it's unusable. 
So do I have time for this, Michael? How much time? Two minutes. Maybe I can do this. The New York and then we'll get back to the fascinating email. The New York Times headline in reality versus what it should have been. We told you that there was an attack uh, on Iran's nuclear facility. Set it back at least nine months. Awesome. Probably Israel. Maybe with our help. I hope with our help, but who knows? So the headline front page New York Times was Explosion Rocks Nuclear Center Infuriating Iran. Attacks may hurt efforts and reboot of deal with the United States. The headline should have been, according to Ari Fleischer, who was the press spokesman during the Bush administration, mm-hmm. but he's absolutely right. Uh, explosion rocks Iran's nuclear center, encouraging allies, hurting Iranian efforts to get nuclear weapons. The headline is, infuriating Iran, hurting chance for deal with Iran that would give them all kinds of opportunities and money. The uh, uh, the opposite is the re- is the more important reality if you're not a crazy person. Wow. Our ally our allies over there loved it. Whether or not Iran's pissed, who freaking cares? Right. That's xenophilia. It, That's the xenophilia of the lefty media. And I became aware of this recently as listening to a podcast. Oh, I I got to uh, find the name of that and pass it along to you because it's so good. It's all about China. But it's how often you see headlines where infuriating China, angering China. Who cares if we infuriate China or anger China or anger Iran? These are enemies of the United States. We should be doing things that make them unhappy. Right. If we're making them happy, that means it's bad for us. Well, it's neutral, maybe. But, yeah, that's that's outrageous. God, that is something. Infuriating Iran. Who cares? Has there ever been a country survive that one of the main hallmarks of its intelligentsia is self-loathing and a near sexual love of everything that's foreign? It's not healthy. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. that are emailing and calling because we're in the middle of programming, saying if they wanted to watch the weather, they would turn it to another channel. As long as there is a warning in effect for our area, we're going to be on TV. Because if it was your area that was under a tornado warning right now, you would want us on the air informing you. So that's what we're going to do, and we're going to stay on the television. And we've warned folks that, yes, programming is being interrupted, and it stinks. And you know what? We can watch that tomorrow. (laughs) Calm down, dude. You're a pretend meteorologist. Uh, never read your comments, whether no, guy. No, just don't even bother. Unless you're in a mindset to not take them seriously, and probably not even that. Don't yeah, read. Yeah, looked comments. at the station email feed. Yep. Put days of our lives back on. I don't care if there's a tornado warning thirty miles away. <laughs> hey, China made an odd announcement. Uh, a brief moment of honesty, according to the Associated Press, China's top disease control official in a rare acknowledgement, said their vaccines offer low protection against the coronavirus, and they're coming up with some plan to mix them as a strategy to try to make them work better. They're not very effective. Like, ours are basically 100% effective against death. Mm-hmm. Um, theirs are very low, so they're going to try, like, you get the first dose of one and try the second dose of another and see if mixing them together does better because they're not working very well. Yeah, sometimes I'll do that if they're, like, an inch left in three bottles of wine. It's time to make a blend. How does that work? Like a suicide of wine. It's usually okay. Sometimes it's a little funky. <laughs> it never like has a reaction and starts off flame or something like that. Oh, no, no, no. 
<laughs> just melts the glass. <laughs> and generally, at that point in the evening, uh, the tastes are somewhat dulled. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. So I have uh, abandoned even trying to use my idiot computer, and I've gone to my phone. I just I really like this email from one of our beliv- beloved listeners in San Diego, which was such a, an, an incredible, wonderful bastion of normalcy for so long in the, the blue sea of California. You guys were wondering last week why so many people are suddenly leaving San Diego. Like Hong Kong, after a long resistance, San Diego is finally broken by mainland California. Look at a map. Realize San Diego is a geographical island with natural barriers to the east, the mountains, and the west, the ocean, obviously. Federal barriers north and south. Thank you, Camp Pendleton Marines, for delaying the invasions for so long. On our San Diego island, we had our own style of moderate, independent governance, while often rejecting the partisan machine politics that have helped Democrats dominate California politics for most of 60 years. Over the last decade, however, Democrats have successfully passed a series of reforms in Sacramento to overrule local election laws, impose term limits when convenient, change the voting structure of regional boards to favor big cities, and weigh in whenever a charter city or county enjoying too much local control doesn't fall in line, usually by unconstitutionally threatening to cut off state funding. Like going bankrupt, the Californication of San Diego happened gradually, then very suddenly. In the last two years, our city went from a divided council with a series of moderate Republican mayors to an 8-to-1 Democrat majority and Democratic mayor promising to make San Diego more like Los Angeles. Our board of soups was all moderate Republicans two years ago, though they tended to govern on local issues, not on nationalized partisan politics. Now the board is 4-to-1 Dem and could be all Democrat in 2022. Along with the reforms from the state capitol, Democrats rode the 2020 wave of Trump hate straight into office, where they are enjoying the use of COVID emergency powers to accelerate their promised transformation of San Diego under one-party rule. So it's no surprise people are leaving. I'm one of them. I'm just mad it's happening when the Padres are finally getting watchable. Hey, now. Al anonymous San Diegan dissident looking to exit before extra being extradited to mainland California. <clears throat> it is something. The extent to which people vote with their feet. But that's one of the most powerful things you can do in a democracy, I guess. Is he a Padres player through the first no-hitter for Padres history? And it was a guy who grew up in San Diego? That was Very that's correct. cool. That was a fun yeah. story. Very I, cool. Yeah. i got to get that app that gives you a heads up if there's about to be a no-hitter. Why don't I have that? I'm or, an idiot. or a perfect game in pro bowling. we got a, uh, a pro bowling <laughs> clip on the way. You know what? I think I'll let you keep that app. And why don't you text me, uh, you know. Next time there's a 7-10 split about to be made. <laughs> Joe Musgrove, first no-hitter in Padres history. Is that right? Wouldn't think that'd be possible. And win over Texas Rangers. It's true. How can that be? A lot of crappy pitching, that's how. Front page USA Today to kick off the week. Mental health stressors, top obstacle to learning. Talking to various teachers and psychologists, stuff like that, saying the Biggest obstacle to learning is the mental health of the students going back to school now or next year. That's horrible. That shouldn't be your big. That should be that should be something you don't even really have to worry about the mental health of kids. Teachers say that when they're not shouting at parents, "How dare you question me?" The for rate, instance, the rate of children eleven through seventeen who were screened last year for anxiety and depression went up double digits in a year skyrocketing for the mental health conditions of high schoolers. None of this is a surprise. We've talked about it a lot, but it's horrifying. It's one of the worst things we've ever done to kids. 
Yeah, but we saved the one one hundredth of one percent of people who would have died from the COVID. I don't think that was even the point. That was the justification. The point was we got billions and billions and billions of dollars to teachers unions around America to spend on whatever the hell they feel like over the next however many years. If we had to trample the kids and their souls and their education, their lifetime learning, and maybe even their lifespan, that's fine. It's worth it. If I had to give out an award for the most rotten people in America, outside of a crime, I would say, how about we make it this? Most rotten juxtaposed against their public image. Oh, yeah, well, then it's definite win. People at the tops of these teacher unions, I, I, it's a common phrase, how do you sleep at night? And you don't usually mean that. But I honestly wonder that with you people. And I know you're not listening. You wouldn't listen to this show. It wouldn't be your cup of tea. How, how do you sleep knowing you're doing this? Or, or have you, I guess, I guess what you do is you've, you've convinced yourself somehow siloing your information. Boy, you'd have to work at it to convince yourself that it actually is too dangerous. To have your school open, even though that school right there, six miles down the road, is open and it has been for months and is fine. And you hear all these stats about kids killing themselves and drugs and everything like that. They may never recover the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars lifetime earnings lost and things like that. Mm-hmm. But to get more money for your teachers union, you, 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 you can sleep at night with that? I don't know I how you their do. souls are dead. They're either siloed, like you said, or, or they're just sociopaths. Why don't you push down little girls at the Girl Scout table and take their cookies? I mean, you're a bad person. On the other hand, this is dark, but it's worth knowing. If you're a student of history, you know that charismatic leaders can get people whipped up into dragging their own parents into the street to be beat to death for being counter-revolutionary. I I know I mentioned this a while back. I'll mention it again because I think about it a lot. This lawyer, David French, who we've had on before, it came up in a conversation about, he said, you know, when you get into law school or you go to law school and you hear people ask this question, you always wonder, what, what will I do if I have to represent a bad person? I mean, how do I deal with that? Mm-hmm. I represent somebody I think is guilty, but I've got to try to get them off. How do I deal with that? And he said, never underestimate your ability to buy your own BS. He said, it doesn't come up. You convince yourself. Most lawyers convince themselves that their client was wronged somehow. And and his point was never underestimate your ability to buy your own BS. And I think Mm -hmm. about that a lot with all kinds of things, work, relationships, all kinds of stuff. You you will find a way to justify your actions. It just seems to be a human tendency Yeah, that we all need to watch out for. And I'm sure that's what all the teachers unions types do. Yeah, I think that's probably true. So, yeah, if people can be convinced, as I gave the horrible horrible example from the uh, days of Mao, of and, and the Khmer Rouge, for that matter, dragging their own family into the street to be beaten to death for being counter-revolutionary, well, then, yeah, you can absolutely convince yourself it's too dangerous to open the schools, and, and the only reason that uh, they're asking us is, uh, I heard it was uh, white supremacy, and uh, plus we need billions of dollars. That's, please, that's a two-foot putt compared to a lot of things human beings have been convinced to do through the ages. Boy, we will uh, we'll take your calls and votes on is this the greatest sports call in pro bowling history? <laughs> we'll put it up against some of the other greats. <laughs> Please. Bowling used to be on Saturday afternoon when I was a kid, like on yep. Wide World of Sports sometimes in the dead of winter. I'd occasionally flip it and on. And there were we only got two channels, so we'd watch it. We yeah. didn't have Nintendo. <laughs> we didn't have Netflix. We had nothing.
So there I'm watching <laughs> freaking pro bowling. Two stinking channels with commercials. <laughs> with commercials, yeah. Can't pause or fast forward. Anyway, the greatest call in bowling history happened over the weekend. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. No balls in one strike. The big right-hander ready and delivers. Swing and a ground ball to shortstop. Kim has it. Friendly hop. Throw to first. That is a no-hitter, and that is history. Joe Musgrove with the first no-hitter in Padre history. April 9th, 2021 at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. The kid comes home, and he gets it done. And that's a real crowd, not fake sound effects? Uh, That was in Texas, yeah. I think that was at the Ranger Stadium, yeah. That bigger roar for a no-hit loss, that's odd. As an okay call, in terms of excitement, I prefer this one from professional bowling. Right through the face sleeve of the 710. The 7-10 only been made on television three times in the history of professional bowling on TV. Come on, kid, do it. The ginger assassin just dropped the 710. You bet, kid. You bet. <laughs> and the Def Leppard gets cranked. Was he doing some sort of ginger assassin Def Leppard victory dance? I haven't seen the video. <laughs> wow, I got to get hip to bowling, man. The That's where the ginger assassin. Is. I'm going to get a t shirt. I wonder if he has merch. Oh, I'll get he better. That. I'll get that freaking today. He's seriously better. The, the, the way that that clip was floating around, like <laughs> if you're not merching, then come on now. Yeah, you got to follow him every tour stop and yell his name and sign my wrist supporter thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Become his super fan, like borderline obnoxious. Sign my wrist supporter thing. <laughs> you're trying to chase after him, but you can't get any grip because you're wearing bowling shoes. You just keep <laughs> slipping all over the place. <laughs> oh. Wow. Wow. Uh, I had a friend in college who was bowling shoe guy. Always wore bowling shoes. That was his thing. That was his gimmick. I'm not sure it worked that well for him. <laughs> in terms of the adoration of men or women. Oh, I love this. I just saw this. Speaking of fairly minor sports, in the world of golf, CNN followed up its widely lampooned report declaring the use of certain Asian fonts to be racist by mixing up a pair of South Korean golfers Saturday. They were talking about uh, the Masters and golfer Siwoo Kim, but used a picture of Sung Jae Im on the heels of MSNBC using the wrong picture of a wrong black congressman when Elsie uh, Hastings died. So, okay, fine. Was Kim the one who, all in contention, out of frustration, broke his putter and then had to putt with a with one of his drivers or something like that? Well, yeah, he's putting with uh, his three wood. I no, believe I, my new favorite golfer. <laughs> so this just breaking the L.A. Uh, Unified School District, which is the second biggest school district in America, is proposing a two-week school year extension for student learning loss slash trauma. Um, two weeks is going to make up for the last year. I understand that. Uh, I understand the argument of extending the year to try to make up for the learning loss, but two weeks to help with being out of school for a year and a half for some of these kids, the trauma and the learning loss. 
We'll stay in for another two weeks. That's hilarious. I'm thinking if I tell my son they've extended the school year by two years, that doesn't help his depression around all this. Two weeks, yeah. Two weeks. I don't think I don't think that would make him feel less depressed, well, less you, anxious, less whatever misery you got going for being out of school. Right. Although I don't know, the kids might want to get back in school and go for a year straight. I don't. They haven't been in school. Hmm. Except, you know, private schools, which well, is functioning perfectly. Well, are we talking about real school, or are we talking about going twice a week to uh, watch videos? Oh, I see what you're so saying. So they can claim they're in school. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What's best for the kids? What's best for America? Probably some improvised schedule. We're going to go two months on, one month off, or whatever. Uh, for the next uh, two years, we're going to get everybody caught up. Except you can't possibly do that. You don't have the flexibility. It's, uh, it's bureaucrats will get involved, and unions, and the rest of it, and the kids be damned. Oh, uh, geopolitically, uh, we haven't mentioned this. So we've got the rift with China, obviously, that could turn into World War Three at any moment. Uh, we we and or uh, Israel attacked Iran, and that's a pretty big problem. And Blinken, A. Blinken, the <laughs> Secretary of State on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd yesterday, said that Russia needs to immediately cease their aggressive military buildup on the border there in uh, Crimea. They, the biggest military buildup they've had since they went in under Obama's term, and they said they need to cease it immediately. So another hot spot hmm. in the or world. What? Well, that's what Chuck Todd said, or what? The, and then he played a tape of... Uh, the Obama administration saying exactly the same thing right before Putin went in, and we didn't do anything. Mm. So we'll see how that turns out. I know what I would think if I was Putin. I would think they're not going to do anything. And if you do something, I will react then. That's fine. Every time I probe, I find soft. I keep probing. I find soft. Especially now that I have been named Russia's sexiest man. Frankly, I'm on a roll. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I feel on top of wave. What is he? He's mid-60s? Usually somebody in their mid-60s is not the sexiest man in a country, but, uh, you know, he's, he's Putin. Uh, Sean that's, Connery had a good run there in his, true. his late age, right? That's true. I think he's uh, Putin's 68 or 69, Giga. Is he really? I believe he is, yeah. <laughs> oh, Maybe you could check that out, Sean. Do something, would you? <laughs> well, that was... Where'd that come from? That was, that Sean's was, doing a fabulous job. What is, he's, what's he's the matter with me? Nailed it. That was, I was unnecessarily belligerent. I was, I was just reading an excerpt. You having a good time, Joe? I was just reading an excerpt from John Boehner's book, and he's talking about the first time he met Trump and how Trump belittled this guy on the golf course in just such a harsh way that he couldn't call him an idiot and all these things in front of a bunch of people and how he couldn't believe he was doing it. Wow, so brutal. he just did with Sean, basically. Yeah, I feel terrible about that. Just Mike, terrible. And on Michael's birthday, of all things. I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty. Yeah. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Thank you, Jack. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He's pressing buttons in the control room. Our technical director, the birthday boy, Michelangelo. Michael? Yeah, I just checked the text line, and uh, I got twice as many birthday wishes as I did last year. I appreciate both of you. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's very nice. Excellent. I'll, I'll forward any emails, Michael, if we get any. Positive Sean's our poor, beleaguered uh, producer, Sean. This year at the Tokyo Olympics will be the first year ever they have the women swim the 1,500 meters. Uh, American Katie Ledecky 
Uh, she holds the world record by 18 seconds. She has the nine fastest 1,500-meter swims of all times. When they're doing a qualifier event this past weekend, she beat the second-place contestant by 26 seconds. Whoa! She's, so she's like the Usain Bolt of uh, swimming, then? Yeah, this is incredible. That's ridiculous. Does she have fins? Jack, a final thought for everybody? And a blowhole. <laughs> um, me and another parent both did this over the weekend. It's easy to do this time of year or any year. We're all so good about slathering our children with sunscreen when we go out in the sun as we stand there completely unsunscreened and watch them do whatever they're doing. Oh, boy. You know, play in the, play in the water or play baseball or whatever. And uh, this person and I both got burnt. My, my nose is purple, deep purple. It's I not the color it's supposed to be. It's, it's probably fine. Uh, my final thought was uh, my mom's memorial service was yesterday. It was uh, remote via Zoom due to the Chinese bat fever, obviously. And it was lovely. It was beautiful. It was moving, etc. It was also unintentionally hilarious at times as people had failed to mute themselves and would pipe up and just start talking. Folks, remember to mute yourselves, would you? And if you're in charge of the Zoom call, be ready with the uh, the quick trigger. Huh? Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all the clicks under hot links for you there. You can pick up some great A&G swag. Helps to pay the guys. Uh, also, email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If there's something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Awesome. We do this thing every weekday. Did you know that? Hey, my computer finally works again. How much time is left in the show? <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. We've reached a critical point. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. If I don't get my way here at Spotify, I'm walking out. You get everything. Come on, get to it. Oh, he did it. He did it. He did it. He got the 710, Randy. Oh. The house where Lizzie Borden murdered her parents has been sold for $2 million and will be turned into a bed and breakfast. Though a bed and breakfast where a murder happened is pretty much just a day's in. My high note. Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.